Hey everyone, today's episode is a compliment to Facebook qualitative analysis and today we're going to view Facebook from a quantitative perspective. Let's go. Facebook's ad engine. We are looking at the business from the advertiser's perspective now. If I'm advertising on their platforms, I'm looking at return on investment, ROI. Each customer has a lifetime value, um, as Peter Thiel would say, so CLV, customer lifetime value. And if I'm acquiring the customer, uh, I am paying something, so customer acquisition costs, CAC. And I want to be acquiring that customer at below customer lifetime value, because that means I will have a profit from that customer. Facebook's bidding engine allows competition to maximize Facebook's profit as a function of advertiser ROI. If I put up a few ads and my ROI is 10x, you can be sure that someone will want my lunch sometime soon. And that is because I'm making a profit, so competition tends to reduce those profits. And this will reduce both mine and my competitors' profits but will increase Facebook's profits until CAC, customer, customer acquisition cost, equals CLV, customer, customer lifetime value. So ROI eventually becomes zero or converges to some, some value close to, to zero. This ends up being more complex than that because each ad space serves to show multiple ads from different businesses and different business areas. Where does Facebook's growth in revenue come from? It may come from three main branches, representing the three parties involved, and that's users, Facebook, and the advertisers. This order represents the power, the power each one has. Without users, there could be no business. Then we have Facebook over adver advertisers because advertisers want the ROI and won't leave a good source of revenue for non-money issues so easily. We'll go through each of those three branches now. And the first branch is growth from users. If the number of users grows 5%, advertisers can now potentially reach that many more people. That will bring new revenue equal to the ARPU, average revenue per user, of those users we are considering. Because it, if the aggregated web of businesses reaches 5% more people with the same ROI, that will uh, eventually, in average, increase 5% uh, the ROI and attract competition. So it... Uh, puts the ad engine we talked about to work. Some individual businesses won't benefit from these new users simply because they are not their target. We can measure this with monthly active users, MAU, and because we will later recur to average revenue per user, and that's ARPU, we should stick to MAU. Uh, the monthly active users we just talked about. This is because ARPU is calculated from the average uh, MAU over a quarter. 
MAU growth is expected to come from two areas. The first one is network effects. Um, an example can be that my friends are using the platforms, so I may start using them too, so I can connect to them. The second one is content, content displayed on those platforms. For example, Bitcoin users love Twitter, so they may use it to get news on the subject, regardless of social, social media purposes. So they may not care about Twitter at all, but since Twitter is a good source of information for Bitcoin, they will go there anyway. And the same can happen uh, for content inside Facebook. Diving a bit deeper into MAU and total addressable market, I expect MAU to slow down because they already have a huge chunk of the world's users with internet access. We have 7.6 billion people in the world at the time of writing, of which 5 billion have internet. Let's also say that they can't get any Chinese internet users, meaning that we will subtract the 55 percent of china's population that has internet and that's 800 million that means that total addressable market is um, the 5 billion people with internet less the the chinese users that we are assuming that facebook can't get because china is blocking them from using facebook there and that arrives at a total of uh, 4.2 billion people of total addressable markets. You can check all the sources of uh, these numbers I'm using in my written post at stockpickinginsights.com. And they already captured uh, 2.5 billion users, and that's 60% six, of the market I was referring to. And there is an important caveat. The 40% of users not captured are more likely to be from developing countries simply because they already captured uh, more users from developed countries. And there's a table that shows that if you go to the written post. So you have um, population with internet divided by each region. So US and Canada, EU, Asia Pacific, ex-China, because we are not counting with Chinese, user, Chinese users. And then we have rest of the world. Um, and you will see that they already captured, and we can see this from MAU, the monthly active users. They already captured 74% um, 74, 74 of US and Canada, 50, 54% of Europe, 79% of Asia-Pacific, ex-China, and 45% of rest of the world. This difference of MAU by region forces us to look at MAU and ARPU by geography, avoiding overestimating revenues by pegging to the US RPUs. But we'll uh, go into more detail later on the, the podcast. I exclude China again because... Uh, I don't expect China to unban Facebook anytime soon, even though we know that many Chinese people use it despite this with VPN. And we have one more topic in the first branch. Uh, and remember, we are, we are talking about the user side, uh, the growth from users. Uh, the, this final note is on inflation and user spending. And 
by putting more money on users' ends, that will make them potentially spend more. And that means I will be more prone to spending when I see an ad because I now have, for example, this stimulus check that I didn't really need. Of course, some people did, but others didn't. And that is why I argue that Facebook's engine we are talking about uh, comes with inflation protection. When users spend more of the same with the same volume of ads, ROI goes up, and you know the story. With ROI going up, you have more competition, and Facebook benefits from that. Now let's go to the second branch, and the second branch is Facebook's growth from relevance. Facebook has what you can consider it to be a worse version of Tobacco's pricing power. And let me explain. If they do a good job showing the right ads to the right people, everybody is happy. Users become uh, happier because they get something useful. Advertisers get ROI. Facebook gets revenue. The same ad can bring a lot of value or no value at all. And you can say the same for, for revenue. The same ad can bring a lot of revenue or no revenue at all. And the key for that is relevance. If the ad is more relevant to me, me the user, I'm more prone to interact with it and fulfill the ad's purpose. And that can be uh, a sale or simply brand awareness. And how can Facebook show me more relevant ads? The answer is user data. If you know more about me, better chances of me engaging with the ads will occur. We can measure this by looking at what targeting options we have as advertisers. And if we see new insights about users surfacing up, we, we will know that Facebook has that data. We can also track it as a user by judging how much more relevant ads are, are showing up as you use those platforms. Unfortunately, there is no quantitative way of estimating this. We will only see the result, the result on the top line, and by that I mean revenue. That doesn't mean this great asset is useless. It's almost as powerful as tobacco pricing power. Not as much because they can do it at will. So uh, tobacco companies can raise prices uh, tomorrow. But Facebook can't make necessarily make the ads more relevant uh, from night to day. But they can do it over time, and that's why it has value. And how do they get better at, at doing this job of uh, showing more relevant ads? The answer is machine learning and user feedback. That's why we see companies like Alphabet providing the like and dislike button for ads, and randomly asking if we've seen any Colgate ads on YouTube recently. And at the root of this, we have great engineers building these algorithms and feedback tools. Thus, another important growth metric to follow is headcount, because that shows that Facebook is hiring engineers to provide fuel for this uh, Facebook's ad engine. The third and last branch is advertisers. These are the ones who spend the money. Growth from advertisers may come from several sources. The first one is digitalization of existing businesses. There are increasingly more businesses 
pushing for online presence, increasing platform adoption, and vice versa. This trend is shifting at investments from offline to online, and Facebook is going to get some of it. Take a look at what's happening in the US. By looking at the chart that you have available on the written post at stockpickinginsights.com, you can see digital ad spending worldwide. And you will see from, from the source that we gathered, um, in the last years, uh, that percentage of digital ad spending um, increased very rapidly as a percentage of all ad spending worldwide. So uh, advertisers are shifting from non-digital ads to digital ads. This means that by 2019, um, the percentage of all ad spending of digital ads uh, is about 50%. And why is this happening? Businesses must be where customers are. If they are now spending less time going to physical stores and increasingly uh, spending time shopping online, they have to be present digitally too. In the past, if I wanted to find someone to repair my, my case, I would ask my friends and family and go to the, the place physically. Now, I'll probably do a Google search first. So they must be there so I can reach them. Um, and if I go to a Google search first, that will potentially, potentially lead, lead me to some, for example, Joe's Facebook page or website. And if Joe is not there, he, he might lose me to a competitor. How much more can digital ads steal from offline ad spending? This question leads us to the second force of increased online ad spending, better ROI than elsewhere. If I can target my audience in Facebook better than in TV or radio, I will get a better ROI using those online ads. And this can be quantitatively forecast and we'll dive deeper into it in a second. Thirdly, and finally, we have the creation of new businesses with part of them going online. This is measured by worldwide GDP. More goods being produced means increasing user demand, thus more ad revenue for Facebook. Now we'll go into forecasting Facebook's growth. Let's gather all this data, all the metrics of Facebook's growth mentioned along the way and give our best estimates. We can be as fancy as we want with the forecasts, but more importantly, we need to be directionally right in those estimates. Margin of safety should take care of the rest. And we will take a 10-year outlook with these forecasts. I divided this into a few questions. And the first question is, how many new users do you expect? And the answer is that US is almost saturated. So is APX China, and that is Asia Pacific, X China. On the other hand, uh, rest of world and EU still have a runway. Network effects and content displayed, as it was said before, uh, those are the, the key drivers to to, the, to support the continuation of this user growth. And um, in the written post, you will see a, a table divided by geography, 
and you will see the forecasts for each each geography. So for US and Canada, I expect no user growth from now um, for the next 10 years. In the Europe, I expect a 3% uh, compound annual growth rate, so KJR. Uh, in Asia Pacific, uh, because if if you discount China, they already have seventy nine percent of all the the total addressable market for that region. I also don't expect any uh, further growth there, so zero percent for APX China, and for rest of world, I expect a seven percent KJR, uh, and this uh, all summed up gives up to a total of four percent KJR in the user growth worldwide. With all these considerations, we are looking at um, 3.5 billion people um, user market for Facebook, uh, as opposed to the 2.5 billion people uh, user market. And that also means that instead of uh, having captured uh, 59%, so around 60% of uh, worldwide uh, total addressable market, they will have captured eighty uh, percent of that, roughly. And how do we get this um, into a dollar figure? Uh, we can do this by by estimating with the ARPU, so average revenue per user for each region, um, and coupling that with user growth, we can arrive at the value. Uh, estimated value of the revenue that those new users will bring. And if you gather all the regions, that's um, $26 billion at today's ARPUs. We are not accounting for ARP growth here because increased ad spending is a consequence of all the factors we are forecasting. The second question is, how much market share will Facebook grab from offline advertisers? Uh, first of all, I don't expect Facebook to grab nor lose market share from Google or Amazon, as they all serve their own purpose. There is some overlap of users, but each one of them has a very unique ecosystem. For example, Facebook has social media, Amazon is where people go to buy specifically products and Google as search engine queries. But I expect Facebook to grab a cut from offline ads because I think that online ads are more effective than offline ads at targeting. And that translates into higher ROI for advertisers. So they will want to go online instead of being offline. If you put up a local radio ad, the best you can expect is to be talking to everyone in a specific region. With online ads, I can talk to, for example, mothers of teenagers that are using iPhones in that same region of the local radio we were talking about. If you check the written post, you will see a table, and in that table you will see historical data about digital ad spending worldwide. And you will see that, um, as it was said already, in 2019, 50% uh, of all ad spending was online. So the other 50% was offline. And 
I'm forecasting 75% of all ad spending to be online uh, in the next 10 years instead of 50%. And I also forecast um, a growth of the, the ad market overall, offline and online, of 2% uh, each year for the next 10 years, which is not uh, much compared to how much it has grown uh, in the last years. And if you also consider that Facebook will take 20% of all this, uh, this re uh, shift in revenues from online to online, offline to online, uh, that, uh, that means that they will take uh, $55 billion of the $280 billion that will be generated for online advertising companies in the next 10 years. The third question is, what multiple uh, will the business be worth in 10 years? And if you take a look at the biggest online ad players in the industry, and that is mostly Google and Facebook, uh, Amazon and Alibaba are not pure advertising plays. They have been trading at minims, minimums of 20x uh, EV, enterprise value, to net income. Uh, so we are talking about EV ratio and the average is about 25 to 30x. Because I expect top line growth to decay as Facebook matures, I consider 25x uh, of this EV to net income multiple to be a fair value for a company with these great competitive advantages and cash generation that they have. So that means somewhat lower than today's multiple of 30x. The fourth and last question is, how much does ad relevance contribute to Facebook's growth? There is also the added benefit of ad relevance that is unfortunately not quantitatively measurable, but judging by the, the growth of ARPU, average revenue per user, and we did this by looking at three-year periods, rolling three-year periods, and um, calculated the KJR for uh, each rolling period. And that arrives at 12 to 23%. I'd say that they are doing a good job presenting more relevant ads. Uh, according to my estimates, 60% of the top-line growth since 2015 comes from the shift from online to online, offline to online ads. And uh, around 20% comes from user growth, uh, monthly active user growth. And that leaves 20% of the growth to ad relevance. There is evidence to keep believing that this growth uh, will continue to exist because as users keep interacting with Facebook's platforms, Facebook will gather more data about them. And that data is proportional to the time spent on those platforms. Uh, and that allows for further ad placement optimization. Now the conclusion. And to... We will now uh, do the conclusion. And all the factors, excluding the this one that isn't uh, quantitatively measured, and that is ad relevance, will, will result in Facebook's top line doubling in the next 10 years, 
and that is by the rule of 72, um, 7.2% KJAR. If we assume ad relevance will contribute to 10% to of the growth, that becomes an 8% KJAR. I also don't see net margins contracting, so I expect this 8% KJAR to bleed down from the, the revenue to the net income, and consequently, stock price um, will behave the same way. So capital gains will be 8% KJR2. This growth is net of inflation due to the business model being spending friendly, as explained before. But we also have to take into consideration the contraction of EV to netting a multiple. And uh, considering that we'll go to uh, 25 times from the 30 times that it is now, that's um, minus 2% KJR over the next 10 years. And that diminishes our expected KJR from um, 8% to 5 to 6% at the, the current price of um, $320 a share. There is also a ton of talk about AR and VR and also a lot of investment. And I value that at zero for now because it isn't making a lot of money yet and focus on the core, which is advertising. The same goes for payment revenues and we will consider to be getting those two for free. That's it, guys. Um, if you like the content, please subscribe. You can do that on the website, and that is on stockpickinginsights.com. And we'll see you next week.